The following program does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Reality Radio 101, its advertisers and sponsors, or its listening audience. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Urban Forestry Radio Show, here on Reality Radio 101. In this radio show and podcast, we learn about fruit trees, permaculture, arboriculture, and so much more. So if you love trees, and especially fruit trees, or if you're interested in living a more sustainable life, then this is the place for you. I'm your host, Susan Poisner of the Fruit Tree Care Training website, OrchardPeople.com. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Urban Forestry Radio Show with your host, Susan Poisner. To contact Susan live right now, send her an email in studio101 at gmail.com. And now, right to your host of the Urban Forestry Radio Show, Susan Poisner. Summer is peach season here in Ontario, and farmers markets across the province sell a handful of different peach cultivars that consumers can enjoy. Juicy and sweet Red Haven peaches are really popular. I also really like baby gold peaches. And they have really firm flesh, and they're delicious. You can also find white-fleshed peaches that are super sweet and tasty as well. But the selection of peach varieties that we can buy today are relatively limited when you consider that there is over a thousand different varieties of peaches in the world. And many of them are heirloom peaches that were grown 50, 80, or even 100 years ago. Each type of peach will have a different flavor or texture and a different history. So today we're going to talk about historic peach cultivars that you can grow in your own yard. And my guest on the show today is Lawton Pearson of Pearson Farm in Fort Valley, Georgia. His ancestors have been growing peaches in Georgia literally for generations. And the Pearson family has seen countless peach cultivars surge in popularity and then disappear as new varieties emerge. But Lawton, he's a sentimental type. So he has his own private orchard with lots of historic fruit cultivars that he enjoyed in his youth. Before we dig into today's interview, I would love to hear from you. What's your favorite peach cultivar? Do you grow peaches in your garden? And what is it that you love about this fantastic fruit? Write an email with a question or comment during today's show, and we'll enter you into this month's contest. Our prize today is a Pearson Farm t-shirt. So to enter the contest, just send an email to instudio101 at gmail.com. That's instudio101 at gmail.com. And remember to include your first name and where you're writing from. I look forward to hearing from you. So Lawton, welcome to the show today. Thank you for having me. 
We are so glad to have you here today, especially with your incredible history in growing fruit trees. So tell me a little bit about your family. When did they start growing fruit trees? Well, um, my great-great-grandfather moved to this area in 1885. And he did a lot of different things. But one of the things he did was was plant peach trees along with a lot of other people at that time. And um, we've really been here ever since um, doing the same thing on pretty much the same dirt. Um, so uh, we have uh, whatever that is, 100, almost 140, 50 years of, of, of history growing peaches in middle Georgia. Now, it's incredible because in the old days, in the 1880s, what kinds of cultivars would your ancestors have grown? They probably, when we go back that that far, we don't have a whole lot of written records. I've got a lot of records from the 30s, 40s, so I know what peaches they grew then. But back then, there were really three peaches that started the whole deal um, and started the, the commercial peach industry in Georgia which spread obviously everywhere else. Um, it of course was Alberta, which um, was crossed or was actually open pollinated in 1889. Um, before that, the original peach was a Georgia bell or bell of Georgia, which is a white meat peach that was its date of origin is 1875. Um, so those two, and then the highly, which was 1886. Those were the three main cultivars of the late 1800s, early 1900s. It kind of got this whole, this whole show started. So you say you got the whole show started. Now, at that time, your family first planted their very first peach trees. Georgia wasn't necessarily known as the peach state. Well, it not commercially. It was Georgia got the name peach state because um, the back when the Spanish came over, they planted, there was peach trees all over the coast because they brought them with them back in the 16 and 1700s. So when the English got here, they saw a bunch of peach trees along the coast. So it kind of got that name then, but it really became the state nickname when 18, late 1800s, 1880s, um, a guy in Marshallville, which is about 20 miles from here, um, developed not only a peach in the Alberta that could be shipped to New York uh, was the market they were trying to, to go to, but it could be shipped, um, period, um, and uh, had the variety to do it, then had the rail car um, where he would stack ice in the front of it with baffles where he could keep the peaches kind of cool. So he figured out how to get a peach from Marshallville to New York in good shape, and that's kind of what started because at the time in the late 1800s, the story is that he was getting $15 a bushel for Alberta peaches. And we sell peaches for less than that now um, at times. So that was just an incredibly big price in 1880s for peaches. And that kind of started the craze. My great great grandfather was one that followed that craze to middle Georgia and started planting peach trees to is kind of like a little gold rush in middle Georgia. That is incredible. So they realize that peach trees are a way to get wealthy, right? This is a right. good business. And what they're doing is they're going to be shipping them to New York, I guess. Is that the thing? Just New York State or all over the place? Well, all over. But, you know, the population centers, the people that could afford $15 bushel peaches, what that was in the big industrial cities like New York. Um, and and that was probably as far as they shipped them. But um yeah, they obviously they could get them to New York, they could get them to anywhere else, um, on the East Coast anyway. 
Amazing. Well, we got an email here. It's from Joyce. Joyce is listening from Adams, Michigan. So Joyce says, hello, Susan, love this topic. My question, what is the oldest peach variety in the world today? Wow. I don't know. I'd say it's probably Indian claim. Um, I, I think, I mean, the Georgia bell is the oldest one that's, that I know of, but Indian cling has roots all the way back to, um, later than that, I think it may have been here, um, in the 16, 1700s and, um, they don't really know when that one came out. And it's interesting because before, uh, peach trees came here to North America, they were grown for thousands of years, I guess, in China. Like, are there ancient Chinese varieties that are still around? There have to be. I was, uh, when we were talking earlier, Lawton, I was saying, hey, Lawton, have you been to China? You got to go to China to take, taste I some did. of those peaches. That's my bucket. So we got to get you on a trip to China. That's for sure. <laughs> so, okay. So the gold rush starts to happen in terms of um, Georgia, Farmers in Georgia decide, okay, we need to plant more and more peach trees. You said that there were three main cultivars. When did new cultivars start to come in and why, why did those ones lose popularity? Um, a lot of it is, is not, um, it's not eatability. You know, for a farmer, there's a lot more that goes into a peach than just how good it eats. Because honestly, the Georgia Bell is one of the best eaten peaches you can eat it's just impossible for you to move it anywhere, even off the tree without bruising it. Um, so as they obviously got more sophisticated um, and had more interest and more money in, in the industry, they began to try to improve peaches. And either that was, at a lot, of time, a lot of times it was just luck. It was finding a sport in an orchard that was better. Usually it's earlier. So what everybody's looking for at that time was to be first to market, to be early to market. So what you see in a lot of old varieties, you'll have the original highly, and then you'll have a bunch of different varieties that are called early highly and, and Stark's early highly and somebody else's early highly. There's a lot of different mutations that people would find in orchards and, and it would be a little bit different fruit, usually earlier ripening, but maybe it had a little different characteristic. So it, you had that happening as people, more and more people planted trees and started looking for better qualities, whether that's timing or shipability or eatability. Um, and then you also had people like the guy who, who developed the Alberta who quit growing peaches and started growing peach trees. And so he's looking for new varieties and, and actively making crosses and breeding peaches um, to try to get better newer varieties. And really ever since then, most of the stuff I have that comes out new is in the thirties and forties. So it's kind of like everybody grew those three or four peaches for 30 or 40 years. And they said, all right, at that point, South Carolina was growing peaches and Alabama was growing, everybody started growing peaches and um, we needed to, to start separating ourselves one way or another. And um, so they wanted to extend the season. Alberta for us is a July peach. So they started getting earlier peaches and earlier peaches to where we are now, which is middle of May. Um, later peaches, you know, to go later and, and trying to expand the industry. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, and Alberta was different in terms of shipability, you said. So Alberta tastes okay, tastes good, right? Tastes but good. It does. It doesn't um, bruise. Is that the thing? It doesn't bruise when you pick yeah, it off the tree. 
So Georgia Bell and Highly were white meat peaches with very little color. Um, and Alberta was a yellow peach. Um, and it was just firmer than all the other peaches, firmer than Indian clean, firmer than the, obviously the Highland Alberta. So that allowed you to handle it, which means get it picked, um, get it packed, get it, you know, a, a rail car is probably a really bumpy ride. Um, and something as perishable and delicate as a peach, having firmer peaches that are ripe, not green firm. All peaches are firm when they're unripe, but getting ripe, but firm was a huge thing to to build the industry because you know it's allowed us to get it shipped so the alberta first of all it was yellow um which was not the overwhelming peach at the time most peaches were white most peaches in yards most peaches the spanish brought over they were all white peaches and most of the peaches in china are white white fleshed um but the alberta kind of started the move towards yellow meat peaches because they don't show bruises they don't bruise as easier they're just a little hardier peach Interesting. Okay. So we've got a couple of emails here. One is from Stuart. Um, Hi, Susan. Love Georgia peaches, but more importantly, I love a beautiful Georgia peach, if you get my drift. Thanks from NYC. I'm sorry, I don't get the drift. I don't get Georgia jokes sometimes. Is a, is a, a, <laughs> uh, that the moniker down here is, is, is uh, beautiful young ladies or Georgia peaches. Oh, I get it. So he uh, loves the ladies. That's yes. the thing. Well, that's very nice. Okay, thank you for getting me in on the joke. I love jokes. I love it when my listeners send me jokes, though. Okay, now we have an email from Leslie. Let's see where Leslie is from. This is Leslie up in Ellijay in the North Georgia Mountains. We are located at the foot of the Appalachian Range, Zone 6B, and found the hard way that our late spring frosts make it almost impossible to grow stone fruit trees in a conventional way. We are thinking of grafting late blooming cultivars on dwarfing rootstock as smaller espalier fans so we can better protect the smaller trees from the few late frosts. I'd love to know Lawton's thoughts and suggestions on cold hardy cultivars. Wow, Leslie, thank you. Great question, and there's lots in there. That is a great question, and it's something that we think about all the time because, as y'all know, with peaches, frost is, is the thing that dominates my, my year, whether or not we have one and how bad it is. There are a couple of peaches that we have experience with down here that are incredibly hardy. Um, the old uh, super hardy peaches um, would be Norman, which is a, it's a Red Haven ripening time. Um, and there's some North Carolina peaches like Bisco that are very cold hardy and a lot of New Jersey peaches that are cold hardy. And obviously Michigan peaches are, um, the Haven series, Red Haven and Crest Haven, all those peaches historically are, are cold hardy. But um, our, our best peach, and this is, you know, in Georgia, we don't get the chill that they do in Michigan or New Jersey or even North Carolina. And LJ will get more than I get because I'm in the middle of the state and LJ is up north. But we have a peach called July Prince that was released probably 20 years ago from Byron. And it is a really late bloomer. Um, it's probably one of the best peaches we grow and it is really, really tough. Uh, don't know why. Um, but July prints and scarlet prints are both delicious July peaches for us that are incredibly tolerant of frost for one reason or another. Um, 
And, you know, after that, if I had to plant something in a, in a, we call them in holes. So you have ge geography, the lay of the land and the colder spots would be the lower spots um, in a field, but also in a county. Um, so our lower colder spots, that's what we plant is July prints because it blooms late and down here won't bloom until sometimes almost April. Um, and it is, it, it'll make a crop even through a frost. That would be my suggestion. And is July Prince a modern cultivar uh, that's is. popped up recently? Yeah, it is. It actually is an, is an odd one. Most of our, the breeding stock for peaches now, a, a lot of it came from O'Henry, which is a, an old, an heirloom type variety now from California that has a lot of color. It's delicious. It's got a lot of good qualities, but it's disease resistance is not one of them. July Prince um, actually came from, from a Chinese peach. Um, as I, I think I'm right on this, uh, that is completely different than all the other peaches we're growing right now um, because it's got a, a, uh, a, a true Chinese peach in its, in its parentage. And um, <clears throat> it's, you know, it's probably re was released in 2005 or six. So it's, that's relatively new. The way that it works with the, the USDA program that released it is it was probably crossed back in the 90s, but it takes a while for that to work through the system and actually get released. So it's been commercially grown in Georgia for about 20 years now. And it's an interesting idea that Leslie mentions of growing it small. So basically, she's thinking of growing it as an espalier, so up against a fence and keeping it small. So that means that if you need to build a little something or throw a little tarp on top of it on a frosty night to protect your peaches or the blossoms, then you can do that. So that's an interesting oh, idea. Yeah. Great idea. And, yeah, it's a great idea. Or even if you don't want to do a spalier and you just want to prune your fruit tree correctly to keep it nice and compact. Um, fabulous idea. Um, wow, fantastic. So we've got Alberta. Now you mentioned uh, the other one that you mentioned that seems to be a historic cultivar that really changed everything. What was it though? The California, was it O'Keefe? O'Henry. Uh, Oh, Henry. Tell me about Oh, Henry. How did Oh, Henry change everything? What were peaches like before Oh, Henry? And what were they like after? Well, it's color. Um, and Oh, Henry's not alone. And, and there, there are a lot of peaches that came out of California breeding programs that are unbelievable fruit um, that, that kind of changed the way a peach is defined, in our opinion. Back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, even the 60s, before California became such a big producing state, our peaches were not red. They were yellow, visually, they were yellow, yellow skinned with a, you know, a blush. They'd have 15 or 20% red on it. Um, and there's a lot of varieties that, Alberta's like that. Alberta has very little blush on it, at least in middle Georgia. As you move north, Peaches tend to get more color on them. Um, but O'Henry is a fully colored late season peach, um, which means it is completely red. Well, when, when that kind of came out, it has really good storage qualities, shipping qualities, and it doesn't bruise or show bruising near like a yellow peach does. So um, when everybody kind of saw what you could do, and it's shrink in a grocery store, but also in fruit stands and 
everywhere else is that this peach is a tougher peach. And it, even if it is bruised, you can't see it. Um, so, you know, that changed the, the idea. And as they grew more and more of them, it, it kind of changed the, the, um, the consumer's perspective for a while anyway, that red is ripe and it's not in a peach. And I think we're seeing now that, you know, people understanding that red does not mean ripe and that varieties are different, but there's most people don't understand there are multiple varieties of peaches. They don't understand they're all different and that you can't get them all year. And they're only certain, you know, there's so many varieties of peaches versus, you know, commercially available versus an apple. I have a, I have a, an attraction affinity for one particular brand of apple and I can get it near about year round. And oh, Henry, you can get for about two weeks from Georgia. Um, so it's kind of confusing when you add that many varieties to it and what they've, you know, what we did as an industry is you just moved to red peaches all year. And O'Henry was one of those, and it came out in 1970. So it's, it's not that old, but that's about when the move started from yellow to fully colored red peaches. Hmm. Well, I've had, I've seen a picture of the Georgia bell peach and mm-hmm. in the picture, man, that, that thing is not even white. It's sort of green. <laughs> it's real green. Uh, yeah. And it's, you know, it'll be green on the outside when it's firm. Um, when it ripens, it turns really white on the outside and inside. Um, but yeah, the, the old drawings of Albertas and Highlights there, they look like that. They look like a oblong green football with a little dash of red on it. And, you know, over the last hundred years, we've changed the definition of peach from that to a round red basketball. Um, and, and all, they're all good things that peaches now are bigger and some of them are sweeter. Some of them, they just, there's the genetic, you know, variability in, uh, in peaches is just immense. And we, we barely tap the surface of what's, what's possible, you know, in a, in a peach. So here we have a question from Carl. Carl asks a very important question. Hi, Susan, help. We need peach trees here in Anchorage, Alaska. Any chance of any varieties that can be grown here? Mm. That's, I don't know the, I mean, I guess Anchorage is on the coast. There's a chance that it's not as as cold there. Um, There's some Ontario growers that would know. uh, I'm just thinking in terms of the only thing that came to mind right away is Reliance Peach, yeah. which is, it says here, uh, zones four to eight, but I don't know if Anchorage is zone four. I don't, I don't know. know. What zone that is. But yes. I know when for Anchorage and really, you know, Canadian growers, even it comes down into Ohio, what they deal with is is winter kill when it gets below negative 20 um and negative 10 it, it'll kill the tree which is something i don't obviously i don't face um so it if you could grow the tree without dying i think you know that, that would all depend on the spring and and certain but there's certain varieties that are much more like winter tolerant um than than others what usually what i'm talking about with tolerance of cold is flowers and how well they crop through a a 28 degree frost, um, how well they live through a negative 20 degree night in, in January. Um, I need to call somebody in Ontario and ask them some questions. 
Something else I would love to do a show on, so thanks for asking that question, um, Carl, is is I want to do a show on people who grow fruit trees undercover. So there's certain sort of tents and tubes and stuff that you can grow your fruit trees in that would make it a little warmer for the, the you know, they're not heated, but, uh, or they may be heated, I don't know. Anyways, let's let's hope I can find a good person to interview on covered fruit trees, because that might be the answer. But um, I have a couple of different interesting comments from Facebook, uh, from growers on Facebook. So Sean from Oregon wrote, I used to grow Alberta on my farm. Uh, So Sean says, all peach varieties prior to Alberta were soft fleshed and hard to ship. Alberta changed all that, but it's been replaced for many reasons. And this is what Sean says, if people are thinking of growing Alberta. Alberta falls off the tree often before it's ripe. It doesn't color well or sweeten up very well, but it is very productive and reliable with great flesh texture and good flavor if you're not looking for sweet. So um, with regards to other historic peach cultivars, Sean says, Red Red Haven is still planted commercially, though less and less, says Sean. Oh, says Sean, and I grow Indian blood peach. I don't know if Sean is marketing it, but he's um, coming up with interesting points about why maybe Alberta isn't the great heirloom peach for people to plant in their backyard. What would you say, Lawton? Well, it's funny. We, Alberta was a great peach because of its uh, strength. And I think he's exactly right. It's not my favorite peach to eat at all. Uh, The word that most people use to, to describe Alberta is astringent. Um, it's, it's got a lot of acid and it's, it's, it's good. It is, it's not bad, but there's a lot of stuff that's better in terms of just eating a peach or putting it in a pie or doing something else with it. Um, so the, the Alberta's hung on, um, in Georgia because people still ask for it. And, and, you know, they still back in the thirties, forties, fifties, this was how people got to the beach. You know, people from Michigan all the way up, they came through middle Georgia to go to the beach and they pick up peaches and what they picked up was Alberta's. So we're now in the two or three generations past that. And, you know, my mama liked Alberta's. Well, that's all she knew because they all came through here on July the 4th and got a box of Alberta's and went to the beach. Um, So it's more of a, uh, you know, it's more that kind of attraction to an Alberta's it's history and it's, it's sentimental attachment to the variety because it was, it was the variety for such a long time. Um, but it's planting a backyard peach. I wouldn't, I wouldn't plant Alberta. There's, there's a whole lot. And you know, if I'm planting a peach in my yard, I don't care what color it is. I want it to be awesome. And um, you know, they're, they're better peaches to eat than Alberta. In my and we're going to, Yeah, we're going to talk about that in a couple of minutes, actually. We want to know your favorites. Um, But first, one other quick comment from Facebook. Um, Scott from Baltimore um, writes, I've grown many heirloom peaches over the years. They tend to be less productive, less nice looking and later ripening than most modern ones. A few few I have saved include Foster, St. John, Indian Kling, Rochester, Heath Kling. Now, Scott suggests we check out the online book called Peaches of New York by U.P. Hedrick, H-E-D-R-I-C-K. So everybody who's listening now, you got to go and Google that book, Peaches of New York. It is fantastic. It outlines all sorts of historic varieties that you can grow in New York State, but all over uh, North America. 
Um, so I found it. It's lovely. It's a really great little old book. Um, so Lawton, any comments about Scott's favorites, Foster, St. John, Indian Kling, Rochester, any of those? Uh, honestly, that's Peaches of New York. I've never heard of any of one but the Indian Kling. And, um, you know, that's that's a really good point that just because a peach performs well for me doesn't mean it's going to perform well in New York or New Jersey. Every, you know, it's a very temperamental uh, fruit and it doesn't it doesn't even look the same everywhere. Um, and that's because of winters are different and springs are different. Um, that's got a lot to do with it. So, you know, it's, it's really, um, the, the, and they're probably heirloom peaches unique to each location all over the, at least the Eastern half of this, this country. Um, and they're probably all, they're all unique. They're all wonderful in their own way. Um, but you know, it, finding a, an heirloom peach that works really well in middle Georgia doesn't necessarily translate to, to New York. It's interesting because in the course, one of my online courses is called Certificate in Fruit Tree Care. And in the first part of the course, I, sp I spend two hours. There's a two-hour unit where I teach people how to choose a fruit tree that will thrive in their unique conditions and location. Because when I started my orchard uh, way back in 2009, my research was getting books out of the library. And so I go to the garden centers and I say, oh, I want this, you know, peach or I want this plum. I want this apple. And they say, lady, we don't carry those. I don't know. Maybe they grow in California, but I had no idea. So it is really, really important as you're collecting your information to um, learn to research your fruit trees so that you get just the right thing for your yard. Um, but yes, we're going to talk more about, um, I really want to talk to you about your personal peach orchard with all the historic varieties. But first, Lawton, are you okay if we take a few minutes? Let's listen to some words from our sponsors. Absolutely. And then we'll, yeah. Okay, great. Well, you're listening to the Urban Forestry Radio Show and Podcast brought to you by the Fruit Tree Care Training website, orchardpeople.com. This is Reality Radio 101. And I'm Susan Poisner, author of the Fruit Tree Care books, Growing Urban Orchards and Grow Fruit Trees Fast. And we're going to be back right after this break. If you're thinking of planting fruit trees and you're looking for a wide selection of cultivars, consider Wiffle Tree Nursery. Our 62-page full-color catalog includes over 300 varieties of fruit and nut trees, berries, grapes, and other edible perennial plants. Not only that, in our catalog we help you through the selection process with tips and advice about all aspects of growing fruit trees. You can learn about adding nitrogen-fixing plants, rootstock choices, and even about planting a windbreak if you have a windy site. We're a one-stop shop as we sell fruit tree care books, pruning tools, organic sprays, and natural fertilizers. We're located in Alora, Ontario, but we can ship all over Canada. Call us at 519-669-1349 to order your catalog. That's 519-669-1349. Whiffle Tree Nursery. Call us today.
if you're listening to this show, you are passionate about fruit trees. But do you care how your trees are grown? Silver Creek Nursery is a family-owned business, and we grow our fruit trees sustainably using only organic inputs. We stock a huge range of cultivars, like Wolf River, an apple tree that produces fruit so large you can make an entire pie with just one apple. We also carry red-fleshed apples, like Pink Pearl, as well as heirloom and disease-resistant varieties of apples, pears, apricots, cherries, and more. We ship our trees across Canada, and we can also supply you with berry canes and edible companion plants to plant near your trees. At Silver Creek Nursery, we grow fruit trees for a sustainable food future. Learn more about us at silvercreeknursery.ca. Did you know that Susan Poisoner of OrchardPeople.com teaches fruit tree care courses online? Here's a testimonial from Roger, a student from Howe Island, Ontario. Some years ago I retired and I wanted to have some fruit trees, so I did the usual. I went to the big box stores and, and bought what they had and I planted them and I had some successes but more failures. In fact, I was almost ready to give up when I discovered Susan's online course. It taught me a lot of what I thought I knew but didn't know. It's in uh, bite-sized pieces that you can easily understand and you can review the course whenever you want. Last year I had such success that this year I had to do very little in terms of pest management, either with insects or with disease. If you want to grow organic fruit trees, join Susan for a workshop at orchardpeople.com workshops. For 10% off tuition, use the discount code PODCAST. Welcome back to the Urban Forestry Radio Show with your host, Susan Poisner, right here on Reality Radio 101. Send us an email right now. Our email address is in studio101 at gmail.com. And now, right back to your host of the Urban Forestry Radio Show, Susan Poisner. You are listening to the Urban Forestry Radio Show and podcast brought to you by the Fruit Tree Care Training website, orchardpeople.com. This is Reality Radio 101, and I'm your host, Susan Poisner. In the show today, we've been talking about heirloom peach cultivars. Some historic peach varieties were were grown over 100 years ago, like Alberta or Bell of Georgia. But there are also peach varieties that were popular maybe 50, 60, or 70 years ago that you can't buy in the shops today. So in this part of the show, we're going to talk about those cultivars and explore which you might consider growing in your own backyard. My guest on the show today is Lawton Pearson of Pearson Farm in Fort Valley, Georgia, and his family has been growing peaches for over 135 years. 
And Lawton has a collection of heirloom peach varieties that he grows to enjoy and to preserve these wonderful cultivars. So Lawton will tell us more about that in just a minute. But first, I would love to hear from you. If you're listening to this show live, send us an email right now with a question or with a comment, or I'd love it if you just wrote in to say hello. And if you write us, we'll enter you into today's contest to win a Pearson Farm t-shirt. To enter the contest, just send us an email at instudio101 at gmail.com. That's instudio101 at gmail.com. And of course, remember to include your first name and where you're writing from. I really look forward to hearing from you. So back to Lawton. So Lawton, tell me a little bit about your own orchard. And when did you plant it? And what kind of trees did you want to plant there? Well, I'm I'm like you. I love the, the I love having a little bit of a lot of different stuff, right? A lot of different genetic. It it, it I love it personally just because I'm invested in it. But I love to eat different kinds of food, um, and we don't we don't grow, pack, and ship all of it. So I've always had a little bit of a heirloom thing. Um, I've got scattered trees here and there, mixed in with different varieties. Um, some of it is is nostalgic and some of it is because you know as I've grown we're we're growing some stuff directly for our retail market that people love and enjoy and so there's there's more in it than just what I like to eat so I've I've had a bunch of them um, and these are all small little blocks with a couple of five trees of this and five trees of that that I want selfishly just for me um but as as we've moved on and you start growing uh, a following to some of the stuff, some of the, the blocks, the, ex, the experimental type blocks have grown themselves into to bigger blocks to, you know, meet demand for this stuff. If we can figure out how to how to get it to them. So I, I, I planted my house. I planted them all over the farm in different places. But most of the stuff, you know, my heirloom, my uh, what I think of uh, as nostalgic heirloom peaches, most of that is stuff that was was grown commercially when I was a child in the seven in the eighties, um, which means most of that stuff was was crossed or bred in the forties, fifties, sixties, and seventies. Um, and you know, some of it goes Alberta and Georgia Bell are really the, really the only two that go way way back. Those are the only two. I I don't know that you could find a highly tree now. It's probably died and that's one of the things that i hate you know once some of these old varieties if somebody's not keeping a tree alive it'll vanish you know there's no we don't have in peaches the kind of um the kind of uh what they have in apples you know where they've got huge um repositories of genetic material and, and can find these apple trees scattered among the countryside peach trees die pretty quickly down here um relative to apples and a lot of other things so it's going to die. And if we don't keep propagating it, the, the variety dies with it. Um, so uh, some of this is, is, you know, I've got one or two varieties that I'm keeping alive um, for uh, nostalgia, for history's reason, historical reasons. One of those is called the Pearson Berta. Um, and that's a peach that my great grandfather found. I think it's a sport of Alberta. It comes off about two weeks earlier. And I still grow it and love it. And it's it's one of my favorite peaches to eat, but it is really difficult to, to ship it and, and get it picked right because it gets soft really easily. Um, 
And then, so that would be, I mean, for you, that's really meaningful considering that that is a peach with your family name on it. That's right. Right. Yeah. So yeah. if you don't save it, nobody's going to save it. Your I kids well aren't going to have it. You know, there's there's no reason to save it if your name isn't Pearson. It's not, exactly. Except uh, I'm sure it tastes good. I just I'm going to interrupt you for a second. We've got an email here from Tim. Tim says, hello, Susan, happy peach season. Oh, thank you, Tim. I think that's a wonderful thing to say. Anyways, he says, happy peach season, love peaches. Very interesting topic today. I'm listening to you from Washington, DC, enjoying the show. And I just want to say to you, Tim, I really think of this. I live in Ontario. Peach season is very important to me. I think it is peaches and cherries are my favorite fruits, though I love apples too. And so I think we should all celebrate peach season and say happy peach season to each other upon greeting each other everywhere, the park, the supermarket. So happy peach season. So yes. Oh, so you said, um, what are some of the other ones? I know that you had mentioned to me Southland was another one of your favorites. Yeah. Tell me why you like that one. Most of the reasons I like peaches is because of how they eat, <laughs> you know, um, I have an attachment to the, the peach um, with, uh, yeah, growing it and memories of, of growing up in a Southland orchard. Um, but really, it's I really like to eat them. Um, and so Southland was a it's in my my variety block. Um, it was it came out in 1946 uh, and uh, it came out of Fort Valley. So it's it's a you know, it's a good peach. It's a yellow peach. Um, and we still pick pack and ship it i mean you can get some southland from me uh for a couple of weeks anyway um but it's you know um it's a good one to me to eat it's it's one of our favorite peaches to eat is uh, it the flavor is it the juiciness is the, the the juice that drips off your face when you eat it and the sticky face a, afterwards <laughs> yeah i mean you can get sticky out of a lot of peaches but there's something about the uh, red globe um, which is a great, it's a Maryland peach that came out in the 50s. Summer Gold, Southland, all Loring, um, Red Haven's kind of this way. Those peaches that for us come off, um, just say the last week of June through the third week of July. There's something about those peaches that has the right balance of sugar and acid. It's not overly sugar, it's not overly acid, but it together it's just magic when it's, when it's ripe. And it, it ripens well, like it's, it doesn't melt in a hurry. It's, it's easy to pick it, put it on the seat of your truck, watch it two days. And when you bite in the thing, it's just an experience. That's, a, mm. you know, it's not, oh. it is the flavor, but it's also the texture. Um, it's the fuzz. You know, all these peaches were, were hot, long fuzz peaches and they're really fuzzy. Um, new peaches, newer varieties are all bred to be short fuzz you know, they call it pubescence, but short, so you pick an O. Henry or any, really a lot of the peach we're going now, they don't have a whole lot of fuzz on them, but a red globe down here when it gets hot and dry is just like, it's like a wool sweater. <laughs> That's it's, great. It's awesome. You know, if you, if you like, you know, the way a peach is supposed to be the way it was originally. So um, that is so funny. Well, it's funny because um, like I, I'm not a big fan of nectarines. I mean, as soon as you take away that fuzz, I don't know what it is about it. It's yeah. just so yummy and delicious. So, yeah. wow. Um, we got another email here. This one's from Stephanie. Hi, it's this is Stephanie from Lenexa, Kansas. I just purchased about four acres. 
and I'm hoping to add fruit trees. Your show is very helpful. Hey, so Kansas, can you grow peach trees in Kansas? What if that's a good bet for Stephanie? Yeah, they grow a bunch of them in Missouri. Um, a lot of that, again, if you have a, a way to protect them, obviously Kansas winters, I'm sure it can be really cold, but I would think that winter kill wouldn't be a, an issue like it is in Ontario and further north. So it, it always comes down to spring and spring temperatures and whether or not a frost is, is your area is prone to a late frost um, because peaches, unfortunately, they, they, they bloom before they leaf out. Uh, the first thing they do is, is bloom and hang out there for a, you know, and it doesn't take much to kill a peach when it's blooming. Um, so right elevations, right, um, you know, the right, obviously, zone um, would work. But also if you have a, a building or a shed, something to put against to protect it, you can grow a peach tree anywhere. <laughs> it's growing the fruit itself sometimes gets challenging. That's but the challenging part. Yeah. So, okay. So back to your favorite cultivars. I also want to comment, you guys shared a fabulous picture. I think it was your aunt maybe, or a great aunt uh, selling at a market stand with uh, I think the kids, what kind of peaches would they have been selling at that market stand? And that looks like what it was the fifties, maybe. Yeah. Um, It was in 1950 probably 55 my dad I think was six in that in that picture um and that's we I still have a peach orchard in that same spot um but that probably was a a highly or a Alberta was still going strong there um they had a peach that my 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 great-grandfather they call him Papa John um that he found called the Pearson highly and it was patented and um, it was a white peach that came off about two weeks earlier than Highly. As always, earlier is better. And they they made a bunch of them and wouldn't let anybody else have it. And uh, everybody kind of got mad at them because they they had this this you know the golden goose and the Pearson Highly. But apparently it was inedible. It just had no sugar in it whatsoever. Um, so it died, rightfully so, because it it it, it didn't have any sugar in it. But um, it could have been any of those back in the in the fifties um, that they were selling, but back then um a lot of volume was in was in highlies and uh and albertas we have a question from james actually i've wondered this myself uh james writes hello susan is it advisable to refrigerate peaches that we buy in our supermarkets thanks nope never never well if you want to eat them in a month um there's no way to avoid it but Peaches don't, once they, once they come to temperature and you buy them at the market, the best way to ripen them is, is on your kitchen counter. Um, if you want to speed it up, you put them in a brown bag and that keeps the ethylene around the peach, keeps it, it, it accelerates the ripening process. But the best way to ripen a peach is on your counter. Interesting. Now we were talking before about growing peaches in Georgia. I don't know if I'm allowed to share what you said about what, you got to be if you're going to grow peaches in Georgia. Do you remember I mean, yeah. what you said to me? <laughs> you got to be, you got to be, uh, I forget my dad's word. He says, you got to be stupid, essentially. Um, you either have to, um, it, he actually says you either, it's either got to be fun or profitable. Um, and when people ask him why we're the only ones left growing peaches and he'll say we're the only ones too dumb not to have gotten out of it. 
And what is the challenge? Here you are living in the peach state. Um, and and why is it so challenging? It, it is challenging on a lot of different levels. Um, you know, labor is always a challenge and, and peaches are labor intensive. Um, we, unlike a lot of other crops that have been able to be mechanized, a peach is just unique. We pick a tree seven to eight different times, you know, over two weeks. It's the human eye that is this judging rightness and when to pick a peach. Um, and the way a peach tree grows, I think if when, and I'm sure it'll happen one day, but when we're more intensive and can place peaches where we want them on the tree, you'll be able to get a robot to do it. But it's just, it's really hard to teach the art, if that's the right word, of picking peaches to a machine. Um, so labor is is always been the downfall and the big barrier to entry of the peach business because it requires a lot of people um, to to pick peaches and to pack them. Um, and then, you know, if you were guaranteed a crop um, and, you know, I, California doesn't have the same kind of weather challenges we have, they have their own and I wouldn't trade mine for theirs, but making a crop is, is difficult. Um, we've had years where, you know, and it's, it's just part of it in, in Georgia and probably everywhere. But uh, in 1955, my grandfather picked two peaches on the whole farm. He picked two peaches. 1996, we had 7% of a crop. And 2007, we had 10% of a crop. Um, 2017, we had 20% of a crop. So, I, it, you know, it's, it's, it's the peaches' um, unpredictability that makes it really, really difficult one year to the next, I don't know that I'm going to have a peach to sell next year. Right now, I don't, I can't, I, there's no way around it. And I do all I can and we have frost protection. And, um, but there's so many things have to line up for you to make a peach. You got to have enough winter and the right kind of winter and it can't get warm during the winter. And then you got to have the right kind of spring and it's got to be the right kind of spring and not too warm. And you add it all up and you just go, my word, you got to be stupid to try to do this, <laughs> which is what my dad said. Which is what your dad says. You got to be stupid to grow peaches in Georgia. Yeah. So um, it was something else that you had mentioned is you talk about having a diverse part portfolio when it comes to peaches. So how many different cultivars do you guys commercially now grow and sell? We are around 45 that you would say are commercial varieties that are we pick and pack in volume. And that's no more than five or six in any one day um, or any one week. But we, you know, our season runs from about middle of May until the middle of August. And most varieties pick over the span of 10 days, to two weeks. And so you overlap them all. And, you know, they're, they're, like I said, they're all different. They're all have their own little eccentricities. And so it's, it's really, really good to, to guarantee what I need is volume, you know, to keep everybody here and keep uh, customers happy and, I need, I need uh, as much fruit as I can, as I can make. And if I put all my eggs in one basket. If I had one variety per ripening time, I would have <clears throat> a lot of eggs in one basket and it could get killed because they all bloom a little different. And any given year, why does one peach make it and the other peach doesn't? No idea. You know, it's mm. because the freeze hit on Tuesday night instead of Wednesday night. That can make a big difference. So you also would have gaps. 
where you're you're ending the pick on one variety and the other variety hadn't started yet. So you've got a you've got four or five days in there with no fruit. So what we try to do is layer varieties where we're picking um, at, you know, a steady volume all summer. And it, it makes everything a lot easier when everything makes, but it also makes it just like your stock portfolio, when something goes down, hopefully something else um, will have a good year. And you just see that time and time again, where I wish I knew why, but the combination of winter and spring and sometimes, you know, late spring and summer weather, it just, you know, they all respond a little differently to the same set of environmental circumstances. What about the next generation? Do you think they're going to be uh, also growing peaches in Georgia? I hope so, but I don't, I, I wouldn't, uh, my, my next generation right now is 13. So it's, it's a little <laughs> too early for me to put any pressure on them. Um, but I, I hope so. I hope it's a, a, a viable business going forward because, um, you know, I, I would do it if, if I wasn't getting paid, I just, uh, this is what I want to do with my time. Um, so I hope they want to, but they may not. So, okay. So lots of people are listening today and they're going to be like, okay, if I'm going to go for an heirloom, uh, what, which one, let's say that they're in a climate where they can grow the kind of trees that you grow. Huh? If you could pick just one or two of your heirloom or older peach trees, which would you tell them to grow? Oh, that's such a great question. I, I, for, for me in the Southeast, um, for an heirloom peach, I would, I would grow red globe and Dixieland. Those two are July peaches and to eat them is just phenomenal. They're very reliable croppers. Um, they are yellow peaches. Uh, and, and what I'm, what I think of as an old school peach, um, both of those are fantastic. As you move up North, um, the Red Haven and Crest Haven, um, those, those peaches are, they're just the best if you can get enough chill for them. Um, and those peaches came out of the Michigan breeding program, um, probably, I don't know, 60s something like that. Um, so, you know, in the Southeast, to me, it, it's hard to beat a red globe to eat it. Um, and it's telling that nobody grows it anymore. Because, because of color. Right. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Isn't it interesting how we eat with our eyes as well as, you know, our taste buds and yeah. whatever. Definitely. It is. Well, it's also telling that when people eat a red globe or a summer gold is another one just as good as a red globe, their eyes don't matter anymore. Mm. <laughs> you know, your mouth. Once you've tasted it, yeah. yeah, you're a convert. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I'd love to have the opportunity at some point. We you know, we gotta go take a little trip to Georgia, taste the the huge variety that you have. Because as I said in the introduction, we have beautiful peaches here on Ontario but a very limited selection. I would like to really be able to have like a peach tasting event where I can taste and feel the difference between the different types of fruit. If I had more room in the orchard, I'd, I can't grow peaches here. We have a, it's not the best climate for it here in Toronto, but uh, I would love to have like five different cultivars. That's what I would like to have if I could. Well, so. you need to come down here about July the 10th and we can have a party. Sounds and how many cultivars will we have at our party on July the tenth? On that day, uh, twenty. 
that we okay could, guys uh, this is for the listeners we're all going to meet at lawson's house next year july the 10th and we're right. gonna have a peach tasting party i'm so excited that'll be great um okay well it is time in a minute to find out who won today's prize but before we do i just want to thank all the amazing listeners that tune into this show live and the people who listen to the podcast every month i get wonderful emails from you guys um just all sorts of little emails so i want to say hello to some people who emailed me this month charlie and erica wrote in to wish me a happy long weekend thank you so much guys Alan wrote to remind me about the upcoming Toronto Cider Festival, which was important. Somehow that, you know, wasn't on my radar, radar somehow. And Ellen wrote to say she can't tune in live today, but she looks forward to downloading the recorded podcast. She said this is right up her alley. So obviously she's interested in growing peaches. Thanks everybody so much for being part of the Orchard People community. So now it's time for our contest and Gary in the studio is going to help us with that. Are you there, Gary? I am here. So Lawton, here's what we're going to do. I have all those names on pieces of paper in a little plastic jug. I'm going to shake it. You will hear that. And you tell me when to stop and then I'll pull a piece of paper out. Are you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. That was a long shake. <laughs> uh, let's see what we got here. He wanted it to be really well mixed. Yeah, let's see. It's Leslie W. from the North Georgia Mountains. You're the winner. Yay, Leslie, with that interesting question, the multifaceted question with espalier and cold hardiness. Well, Leslie, we're going to write you soon and uh, we will send you, we'll get your address and we will get uh, Pearson Farm to send you your brand new t-shirt. You're going to look like a Pearson Farm person. So that is awesome. So thank you so much for everybody who participated. That is wonderful. And Lawton, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. It was lovely to spend some time with you talking peaches. Well, thank you for having me. This is this has been a lot of fun for me. I love talking about peaches. <laughs> All right. Well, if the listeners want to learn more, you guys should head over to the Orchard People YouTube channel because in the next couple of days, I'm going to upload a video version of this podcast. I'll edit it down put some of Lawton's fabulous pictures in there and you'll see lots of images of heirloom peach varieties, some historic pictures from the Pearson family history, which are fun to look at. So come check out Orchard People's YouTube channel, check it out in a couple of days or check it out now to see previous shows. And if you're thinking of growing peach trees, make sure you have the right climate and conditions for them. To learn more, check out my online course, Certificate in Fruit Tree Care, and I will teach you how to grow fruit trees like a pro. So now we are so glad that Lawton was on the show today from Pearson Farms, and we're going to wrap up the show. If you want to hear it again or listen to previous shows, you go to orchardpeople.com slash podcasts, and you can listen to this recording or other shows. And the other thing I wanted to mention is you might be interested in my new book, Grow Fruit Trees Fast. You can read it in just an hour. To purchase your copy, visit orchardpeople.com slash grow fruit. So that's it for today, everybody. 
Thank you so much for joining me. And I hope you're going to join me again next month when we dig into another Fruit Tree Care topic. I'll see you then and goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Urban Forestry Radio Show on Reality Radio 101. To learn more about the show and to download the podcast where I cover lots more great topics, you can visit orchardpeople.com slash podcast. The show is broadcast live on the last Tuesday of every month. And each time I have great new guests talking to me about fruit trees, food forests, and arboriculture. If you're interested in learning more about growing your own fruit trees or just about living a more sustainable life, go to orchardpeople.com and sign up for my information-packed monthly newsletter. If you like this show, please do like our Orchard People Facebook page. You can also follow me on Twitter at at Urban Fruit Trees. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's been wonderful to have you as a listener, and I hope to see you again next time. Thank you for listening to the Urban Forestry Radio Show with your host, Susan Poisner, right here on Reality Radio 101.